Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, almost back in the top five time. No ugly wins against ranked teams time. That that wasn't a beautiful win time, but uh, I don't think we can call it ugly uh, when you beat a ranked team in a neutral floor that's kind of a road venue time. Glad Ben is back with us in Knoxville time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker studio here on a, um, I would call it a a chilly but pleasant uh, pleasant Monday afternoon here in uh, God's own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee will be practicing this week but not playing this week. The Tennessee basketball team will be on the road again. The Vols will be playing a true road game against a very, very, very talented uh, Arizona basketball team Saturday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern over there in the desert. Big, big, big anticipation for that game. We got a full week to talk about it. The the sixth-ranked Vols against the ninth-ranked Wildcats. Nice. Lots and lots of stuff to discuss. But before we do that, I think we probably need to rewind just a little bit and discuss uh, what was, at the end of the day, considering the circumstances, a good win for Tennessee. The Vols on Sunday night uh, beat, or Sunday afternoon slash evening, uh, were in Brooklyn, uh, the the home of the, the Brooklyn Nets there, Barclay Center, defeated 13th-ranked Maryland, 56-53, uh, to 53 in, a, uh, in what was not a beautiful game, but uh, a game where Tennessee played without Josiah Jordan-James, and it played without Jonas Adu, and yet uh, it still had enough uh, to hold off Maryland after ha- building a 21-point lead, I believe, there, uh, in the final minute of the first half, then Maryland kind of got it back a little bit. Then it got really interesting midway through the second half. But Tennessee never lost the lead, never never lost its composure totally, made enough shots to win the game. Uh, I was not there, though. We're going to bring in the, the, the young man who was there uh, and is now back in Knoxville thanks to safe flight back to Knoxville after a really fun sports weekend for him that we're definitely going to talk about with him. It's Ben McKee. Ben, what's up, man? What's up, Wes? Hope you are well, and I echo your thoughts on the basketball game. There's no such thing as an ugly win. All wins are beautiful. Uh, was it the most attractive basketball at times offensively? No, but that's just not where that where this basketball team is right now. I mean, it's just as simple as that. They are an elite defensive team, but they are an average at best offensive team at the moment and there there's circumstances that people uh need to to recognize the the fact that they are trying to to get going without Josiah Jordan James Santiago Vescovi's been in and out of the lineup of late uh it, it was technically a neutral site 
game, but it was definitely a road game for Tennessee because they were there were a, a good chunk of Maryland fans there. It wasn't the greatest crowd ever. Uh, there were plenty of open seats in the lower bowl of the Barclays Center, but uh, it was definitely 80% full of of Maryland fans, uh, of the fans that were there. So uh, it was a road game and against a, a – now they're number 19, I believe Maryland is, but it, it was a, a win over a, a top 15 team that has been one of the better teams in college basketball to start the season, and, and they did so with an elite defensive performance without two players that are key to the defense. We, we all know what Josiah Jordan James means to, to the defense uh, and, and he was unavailable. And then Jonas Adu, he's, he's been a terrific rim protector. Uh, he's, he's been great defensively this season and he was dealing with flu like symptoms. So uh, Tennessee without two of its key players in general, but specifically on the defensive side of the ball and they still put together a big time performance on that end, uh, particularly in the first half, just uh, allowing Maryland to score only 17 points and only two teams had scored fewer points uh, this season in the first half on Tennessee. So uh, it, it was a, it, it was a nice resume building win again, not the most attractive at times. I, I can certainly understand the frustration there, but uh, again, I, I continue to be just really confused as to, why so many people want to jump down this program's back so quickly and 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 Rick Barnes's back specifically so quickly it was it was a a road win essentially over a top 15 basketball team that had proven to be one of the best teams in the country to this point and they did so without two of its key players and it put together an elite defense performance so i don't i don't understand the frustration following this win yeah and i think we need to be um I, I think we need to be honest about what Maryland is right now. I think we're we're not telling the story if we don't say this, guys. Maryland is, is what still nineteenth ranked uh, in in uh, the in the polls, and in, I'm a big believer. I, I'm a Church of Ken Pomeroy guy. I'm a big Ken Palm guy, and he has Maryland not only seventeenth overall nationally, but he's got Maryland ranked in the top thirty in both offensive and defensive efficiency. You know what that means? That means it's a good basketball team. And for the resume, especially, this is going to be a nice one because Maryland plays in the Big Ten. And even if Maryland, you know, doesn't do well or is just kind of average there and what's always a really good Big Ten, that's still going to be a really good resume win at the end of the year. Because if you are in the top 20 going into conference play in, in Ken Palm's rankings, it's really hard to get knocked really, really far down because you're going to play in a league where you're still going to have that strength of schedule. You're you're still – this is going to be a nice win for Tennessee. Um, I, I think there's a few things, if we want to be honest, that we need to talk about with this team. And I, I think before we do that, it's probably wise to back up what Ben just said and say that the, 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 the amount of, I don't even know if it's negativity, just consternation. I, I'm uh, someone who, who works with words for a living. I ought to think of a better word for it, but there's, there's just a, like a sense of like a, like a fatalistic or, or, or sort of, existential crisis people have with this Tennessee basketball team. Yeah, it's, and I understand, and I am sensitive to the fact that Tennessee, uh, and really throughout Rick Barnes' career, he should have been to more than one Final Four in his career. He just, he should have. But 
Right now, you're talking about a team that Ken Palm has as the number three ranked team in the country. It's got some really, really nice non-conference wins, uh, and it's doing some good things right now without some of its key players who are in and out of the lineup. So I, I, I get that there's this whole, oh, it doesn't matter, regular season Rick and the postseason, yada, yada. I understand that. And if I'm being honest with you, my opinion of this team, I wrote in a column after the game on Sunday, right now it doesn't look like a Final Four caliber team to me. It it just doesn't because to get to a Final Four, you're going to have to win four games, right? Three of which at least are going to be against really pretty good basketball teams, a couple of great ones. And to do that, you have to probably be more consistent than Tennessee is offensively right now. Uh, the, those long offensive lulls are – it's just screaming in the face that this is going to – at some point, this will be what ends Tennessee's season at some point because the defense is good. It's going to be good. The, I, you know, it, it, it's statistically the best defense of the Ken Palm era, period. Like, it, it's an unbelievably – good defense and it was good again against the top 30 offense on Sunday despite having two of the best defenders on the team not available for the game so I understand some of the reason or some of the causes for pause with this team but I also think that 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 this team and as long as Rick Barnes has been at Tennessee and will be at Tennessee this team will be in the mix for championships that's just how it's going to be there might be the odd Bad year here and there, they do happen. Um, look at Kentucky with Cal. I mean, th- those things, they do happen. But uh, I just they're going to be in the mix all the time. And if they don't get over the hump, they don't get over the hump. But this is a good team that's going to be in the hunt for championships. And there's just sort of a, eh, I don't know if it's because people got so excited during football season that now they those things that they couldn't complain about as much during football, now they feel like they got to get them out of their system during basketball season. But th- th- there's there's just... There's a lot of things to like about this team, Ben, but there's also some reason to be like, nah, I don't love this. I think both are yes, true. Uh, for, yes, for for sure. And and I mean, I I, I said that. Like, I, I understand the frustration at times. the The offense is is not enjoyable to watch at the moment. It, it's it's just not. Uh, and I said it a moment ago. Right right now, it's it's average at, at best, um, but. You can acknowledge that the the offense is frustrating to watch at the moment, but also provide context. This is not what the offense is is going to look like all season. It's it's just not. Is it going to be a top five, top ten, even top fifteen offense? I would be probably surprised if it ended up being that good offensively. But this is, I think, this is going to be a top twenty five, top thirty. Uh, offense when when it's all said and done. Uh, th- this is not the the final product. We're, we're 10 games into the season. And as we saw last year, we saw the offense get better and better over time because Rick Barnes and his coaching staff and the players, they, they figured things out. And, and again, the context that I continue to mention is the fact that Josiah Jordan-James, one of their key players, even on offense, although he does probably bring more value on the defensive end, he is a very important piece offensively. He's been in and out of the lineup. Santiago Vescovi has been in and out of the lineup. You have Julian Phillips, who is a a true freshman and is just ten games into his college basketball career. On top of hitting somewhat of a freshman wall, not not the type of freshman wall that is going to spiral his season out of control, but in the sense of 
Josiah Jordan James has obviously not been in as much as Tennessee would like for him to be playing. And as a result of that, Julian Phillips has had to to play more minutes. And what what's the one thing that Julian Phillips has to work on with his game that's getting big, bigger, getting stronger, becoming more physical? So as he is trying to to become more physical, to become stronger, and he's playing probably more minutes than they initially anticipated him playing this early in the season, he's starting to wear down uh, and kind of starting to to get tired. And and this week off will be good for him to to reset physically because he has had to carry so much of a load in just his first 10 games uh, of his uh, college basketball career. And and then you look at Tyreek Key. He's, He's being asked to do something that he's never done before, and that's be a point guard. Uh, essentially I do think Tyreek is is better off the ball but because Tennessee was unable to add a veteran transfer that is truly a point guard he's Tennessee's been forced to make Tyreek Key that other primary ball handler option Uh, so he is he is on top of transferring to Tennessee and trying to get used to Tennessee's system and, and program and culture he's being asked to do things differently from a a pure basketball standpoint you've got all these moving pieces Olivier's coming back from injury Urosh is what Urosh is uh Jonas Adu he was making nice strides and then all of a sudden he has the flu and and can't play Tobey Awaka it it seems like he he's starting to knock down the door of of playing minutes but even still he's he's not at the point to where you can rely on him offensively and I don't think that he's going to be somebody that you can rely on offensively this season. Maybe to go get offensive rebounds yeah, and, and I mean, whatnot. I mean, and, some, and, some of those, and that's, yeah, that's big. Some of that stuff he does on the offensive That's huge, but he, he's not the solution to, to the offense is, is more so uh, my point. So you, you kind of start to look at the roster, and, and there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of context to why the offense has been up and down uh, this season and, and you think back to the preseason and I know it's just the preseason but when Tennessee did have all of its guys ready to go and I guess technically Josiah didn't even play in the preseason but that's as really complete as they've been they they were terrific offensively so I I, I get why fans are, are frustrated with with the offense right now it's not fun to watch it's not especially when they're missing bunnies and a million layups right in front of the rim all night long. And, and Tennessee probably should have won one by 15 or 20 points. Uh, it's frustrating to watch. It's not a good offense at the moment. My thing, though, is March is a long ways from now. You can still enjoy the ride to get to March and understand that this offense is is going to get better, especially as the, the pieces continue to grow and, and they overcome these hurdles that I just talked about. Yeah, I think there, there's a lot uh, about. First off, with, with Phillips, I, I think it's it's good in some ways, Ben, that he is going through some of this fatigue stuff now because it happens during every f- freshman season, right? Except for like the biggest of the super freaks, everyone runs into that freshman wall at some point, and you gotta you gotta get through it. Some do, some don't. I think the fact that they're having to rely on him this early, Rick Barnes knows that this is a little bit ahead of schedule, but he also knows that if you can push him through it now, by the end of the season, you're going to have a kid who's physically and mentally conditioned to be what he needs to be 
to to be one of the spearheads of this offensive attack to really take this team far in the postseason. I think he knows that if he pushes him now, he can kind of get through that wall now, and then he can really kind of, you know, really get cooking later in the year. I, I understand that, and I think knowing what he, what Rick and knows about what this kid is like, Garrett Maidenwald, Chad Newman, the the medical staff and training staff, I think they're going to get those that kid right by the end of the year in terms of being where he needs to be physically. And, and I think what they're doing with Josiah now, I mean, it, it is it is officially a concern. It just is. They're going to have to get through this. I, I don't know if it's just about managing the, the situation. I mean, it, it, it might be really just about managing it and getting it to a point where it can be as good as it can for, for the times of the season where it needs to be there. I, I don't pretend to know the particulars of it. Um, so, so, so we'll see, but that's, that's definitely a concern less so with Vescovy. I think they'll, you know, he just needs to kind of keep playing through that thing and it's going to, it's going to get better. It's a shoulder, but he's, he was able to play 37 minutes. I, I think he'll, knowing the kind of guy he is, I think he'll be fine. Um, but, but there, there are things there that worry you. I also think that we need to remember, and I think this is really important Yesterday, that game, neither team really shot the ball well, especially on that one end, because Maryland's offense in the first half and Tennessee's in the second half really, you know, couldn't make anything. And I think part of it was, if I'm being honest, I think part of it had to have been they played with that ball that they played with last year at the Jimmy V Classic when there were two games played and none of the four teams out there shot the ball worth a flip at all. And they were using that same ball yesterday. It's that Spalding ball that the guys just don't like. Um, I think that's clearly part of it. Some of them last year said it felt like kind of a cheap outdoor ball. I don't know what it was, um, but it had to have been something um, because I, I just think that when you see both teams kind of shoot it like that, you, you you wonder in a situation like that maybe maybe what it is. But, you know, we, we will see. I, I don't know that there is reason to have like, like serious long-term, oh, my God, concerns about this offense. But I think it's fair to have some concerns about where things are because we've seen this pattern with this team before, the, the, the stretches where, for whatever reason, they're getting some looks that they want and they're just not going in. And, and Barnes keeps going back to the fact that they practice the way they play and their shots in practice, their percentage numbers are very, very good. And so the law of averages, you would think, would get them where they need to be over time. There's obviously no guarantee that happens, though. And, and I think... The, the only prescription I can think of, you have to keep playing defense exactly the way you're playing it right now. You have to keep doing everything that you're doing on that end. You have to keep rebounding as well as you are, and you just have to hope that that combined with an offense that gets better will get you where you want to be by the time you need to get there. I'm not concerned about the offense at the moment, to be honest with you. Uh, again, it, it is not enjoyable to watch currently <laughs> how, how could anybody think that it is uh, enjoyable to watch at the moment uh, and and I'm I'm sure the basketball had something to do with the the poor shooting numbers yesterday especially Maryland because they 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 did miss several open threes I don't feel bad for Tennessee though in in terms of how they shot the basketball yesterday because they missed a million bunnies around the rim uh, and and they did miss some shots on the perimeter, obviously, but a lot of their misses yesterday came from inside the paint and shots right at the rim. That I I don't care what basketball you're using, you, you're that close to the goal, you you should get it in the hoop. So 
that 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 is I, again. I, I do think there's something to be said for the basketball. That there's some data out there now. Uh, there was talk about it last year, as you mentioned, Wes. I'm just saying I don't feel bad for Tennessee because of how many bunnies they missed. That you, you should never miss as many bunnies uh, as they missed yesterday. But uh, again, I, I'm truly not all that concerned. Maybe I, I need to recalibrate my thought process. But I, again, I just I just think there's a lot of uh, unforeseen circumstances that that they're dealing with uh, because of the the Santi shoulder sprain that he dealt with for two games. And, and then even yesterday, uh, he, he hits it pretty good on the floor, diving for a loose ball. And, and everybody wants to jump down Rick Barnes's back for calling the timeout when it looked like Tennessee was going to have a wide open layup. Well, Rick didn't call that timeout. Uh, Santiago Vescovi called that timeout because he had just dove on the floor for the basketball, hit his shoulder really good, and it really hurt. And he couldn't he couldn't move it. So Santi's the one that actually called that timeout. Rick did not call that timeout. Uh, so th- there's a lot of unforeseen circumstances that, in my opinion, are out of Tennessee's control. And, and that is, in my opinion, more so why the offense has has been a, a little out of sorts here and there. Uh, it, it It's not totally personnel, uh, in in my opinion. If, if we want to talk about uh, personnel down in the post and, and their offensive production, then sure. I I guess you could say I'm concerned, but I never expected the post to, to carry this team offensively because of how the roster is built. This is a guard-heavy roster, and the offense is going to go as, as the guards go. So I, I'm not too concerned about it at, at this point, Wes. Uh, again, we're only 10 games into the season. They've been dealing with a lot of circumstances uh, that, that are out of their control, and and I expect that they're going to be a top 25, top 30-ish offense by the time we're we're midway through SEC play. And if if they do get on track and, and that is the case, then, then they're going to be perfectly fine going into March. That obviously doesn't mean that they'll have success in March. They'll, they'll still have to show up and, and put the ball in the bucket. But I, I, I think they're, I think that they're going to get it together because they have the personnel to do so, uh, especially if they can get Santi and, and, and Josiah healthy. And, and Zakai has been in a, in a little bit of a shooting funk to start the season. That's been surprising, but I, I have confidence that he'll iron that out. Uh, Tyreek Key is a better shooter than he has shown so far. And, and I think that you really haven't seen him be the shooter that he is because he's been so focused on on being a, a primary ball handler. And I think that's kind of distracted him, if that makes sense. So I, I think the offense is is going to sort itself out. And if you're a top 25, top 30 offense going into to the tournament, uh, paired with possibly the best defense in the entire country, it is statistically at the moment. Um, at, at worst, it's what, a top five, top seven defense by the time March rolls around. You, you pair those two units together. And you're going to have a team that has a, a serious chance to, to make a Final Four run in March. Yeah, I think there's a lot to, to parse over there. And I, I think if you if you look at it, right now Tennessee's 47th nationally in, in adjusted offensive efficiency. If they can get it into the top 25, top 30 range, that's where it's got to be probably for this team to realistically feel like it can make a, a pretty good run in March. So you can ride that defense, um, and it really helps you, especially playing in bigger uh, sort of different venues for the NCAA tournament, defense and rebounding, that stuff travels. But at some point, uh, you got to put the ball in the bucket better. I think they can do it better. 
Will they do it better? We will see. Uh, but there's a lot to uh, a, a lot to I think fairly be concerned about there, and also some stuff to fairly look at and say I think this could get better and probably will. So we'll we'll discuss a little bit of that. We'll discuss more about Tobey Awaka, who I do think we need to discuss more because that. That was really encouraging what we saw Sunday, uh, and I thought a comment from Rick Barnes was really interesting about that. So we're going to talk about that and a few other things, but before we do that, uh, we're going to step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the GoVolts 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house, which we still need a name for right here on a uh, late, uh, a late uh, chilly but, but pleasant, I would say, Monday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, talking primarily uh, Tennessee basketball in this episode of the GoVolts 24-7 podcast. I don't think we need to mention much more about Hendon Hooker finishing fifth in the Heisman Trophy kind of is what it is. He finished where he did. My ballot was uh, Caleb Williams and Hendon Hooker and Max Duggan in that order. Uh, That's not how the nation saw it, though. The nation had Hooker fifth. Uh, They had Bennett fourth. They had Stroud third. And then they had Duggan second. And obviously, Caleb Williams first. That is how the nation saw it. So that's what that is. But we're talking primarily Tennessee basketball in this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, the six-ranked Vols, with a big win against Maryland on Sunday in Brooklyn, a big game coming up on Saturday at ninth-ranked Arizona, 10.30 p.m. Eastern there on that uh, tip-off there in the desert. Lots and lots to discuss, lots more to discuss, and we will do that as soon as uh, you'll you'll bear with us here for just one one minute or so to uh, to listen to to this request. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go in there, rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate it. We would very much love that. If you're just listening on the website there, GoVols247.com, 
absolutely nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps us the most, though, is if you go in there, whether you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from this end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, and subscribe, and Tell your friends, right? Tell your family. Tell people you see over the holidays. Tell people that you see uh, Christmas shopping if people are still out doing those sorts of things and not just doing everything online. Go, go out there, and, and and you should, by the way, go shop at local stores. Buy local. It really, really, really helps the economy. Please do that whenever it's possible. Even if it costs a couple extra bucks, it really does a lot for the community you're living in. So please try to buy local. But uh, if you see people out there at church, you see people out there on the golf course, if you're still playing golf this time of year, you see people um, out just anywhere, out, out, out getting lunch, out getting dinner, you see somebody wearing orange, be like, hey, man, you are wearing orange. You look like a Tennessee fan. I'm a Tennessee fan. You should listen to this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. That could be your new life partner. That could be your new spouse. That could be your new best friend. That could be that could change your life doing that karma pay it forward you never know what's going to happen maybe really good things and also thank you to people who keep approaching us and telling us they appreciate the podcast we we like hearing that we like hearing the the constructive criticism and the feedback and all of it Um, but if you're going to come talk to us also go talk to your friends if you're already doing all that stuff thank you we love you if not i award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, back to business. Tobey Awaka had a really nice game Sunday uh, against Maryland. He got a chance to play more. Uh, let's call it what it is because um, because Jonas Adu was unavailable, had some flu-like symptoms, wasn't able to practice, and he didn't really do much before going into the game. Still didn't feel right Sunday. And if you're not going to practice, you're usually not going to play for Rick Barnes, and and he wasn't he wasn't wasn't feeling good enough to go. So Tobey Awaka got a chance there in his hometown and uh, did a lot with it. He flirted with a double double, and um, you know when you look at it, plus minus figures, nobody on Tennessee's team had a plus minus above plus five or six, except for Tobey Awaka, who in 17 minutes had a plus minus of plus 17, plus 17. So you can say. That Zakai Ziegler got the MVP, and that's fine. He, he was a, a worthy recipient. You could make a pretty good argument that Tobey Awaka was, was actually the game's MVP. Uh, what he did, when that young man gets his hands on a rebound, Ben, that ball is his. That kid is a force. He is strong. Uh, still a little bit limited offensively, but the stuff he can do really, really could help this basketball team. He, he absolutely can help this basketball team, and, and I think he's going to. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how consistent he is going to be this season because he is a freshman and uh, he, he tends to overthink things. He, he is too smart, too smart for his own good. Could have gone to any Ivy League school, but uh, did not want to because he wanted to play basketball at a higher level. I wrote about that this morning in the wee hours while I was waiting on my flight. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to do so because it is kind of cool to hear Rick talk about what he saw in recruiting uh, because uh, Tennessee was the only big school in on Tobey. And what you saw yesterday against Maryland is what Rick saw the first time he, he went to, to see him. And he actually didn't even really go to see Tobey on the recruiting trip. He was, he was going just to kind of support Zakai Ziegler's old AAU program just out of respect 
and he he saw Tobe just kind of over there taking stretching really seriously by by using a foam roller and and all the new age new tech ways to stretch and and get loose and uh, and then he went out there and did what he did against Maryland. He chased after every loose ball, every single rebound, and, and he got every single one of them. And that's what you saw against Maryland. And he can absolutely help the team in that way this season because I, I do not have confidence in Urosh to be consistent game to game, especially in a day and age where you see athletic big man after athletic big man after athletic big man. Those athletic big men are going to give Urosh all sorts of issues. And that that is why it's important that Jonas Adu continues to develop. It's why it's important that Tobe is able to to come in and and rebound and, and contribute here and there. So I don't think he's going to receive heavy minutes. Uh, I, I don't know that he's going to be consistent because he is a freshman and because he is so smart. This was the point that I was getting to. He is so smart that he overthinks things. And that that's kind of what was his bugaboo uh, the last couple of months. And, and here the last week or so, he's quit thinking. He's quit overthinking. He's quit thinking too much. And, and he's just relying on his preparation. And uh, he, he talked about how he sat down with Coach Ganey to go over the game plan. Uh, Rick Barnes sat down with him in the hotel the night before and, and went over what he expected from him. And Tobey took it to heart, didn't think too much about it, and, and went out there and just played. And and how cool is it that uh, he was able to have the success and, and kind of his 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 welcome to college basketball moment uh, where he's from in, in New York. I think technically he lived like an hour north of the city, yes, but went yes. to high school uh, there. I think in the Bronx uh, because the guy's from Long Island, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. But um, that th- that was really really cool. And again, I I, I do think that Tobe uh, is is going to help this team. Uh, because he's only going to continue to get better. And I, I can't help but think about Grant Williams when, when I watch him play. I'm, I'm not saying that Tobe is as good as Grant or will be as good as Grant. Two players can have a similar playing style and, and one be better than the other, and, and that's more so what I'm getting at. The, the, the smaller post player who is just full of muscle and mass and, and just moves people – uh, around and his mannerisms are, are very similar to, to Grant's as well in terms of how he runs and, and kind of how he looks out there uh, on the floor. Uh, so I that that's kind of the thing that's come to my mind, just the way he maneuvers because he is a shorter post player. But then I, I was talking to Ryan Shumpert during the game, and the way he rebounds is is like he's Ray Lewis out there. He's like a middle linebacker out there going he for is a mover. All the he's a mover and, of men. Yes, he he is a a bully in, in a good way. Uh, and then as nice a kid off the floor, which is what you you would expect with this program. Uh, so I, I absolutely think he's going to play. And, you know, you you teased the comments that Rick had after the game before that quick commercial break. Mm-hmm. And and that's that uh, Rick said that if, if I'm those other post players, I'm, I'm worried now. Yep. And I can tell you exactly who he was talking about. And people in my mentions wanted to, to, to say that, uh, he was talking about Olivier Kamwa. That is incorrect. Cool. He was talking about Urosh Plavshik because Urosh does not rebound consistently, does not rebound enough. 
I, I still don't believe he has a block on the season, which is remarkable for a seven-foot post player. How do you not have a block over 10 games? And and what's even more staggering is when you see the total blocks throughout his four-year career at Tennessee, I don't know that he's gotten to double digits. If he has, he hasn't gotten far past 10 blocks, which is remarkable for a seven-foot post player. And he misses a ton of bunnies around the rim. Urosh is the one, if, if I'm just being completely honest, he, he's the one who – Better get it going because that that's whose minutes Tobey will take. This, this staff really likes Olivier, and he's not coming off the floor. I do too. I, I, I do think, too. I do too. I I like Olivier too. People, he had a tough second half yesterday, but in the first half he played extremely extremely well. He he doesn't fill up the 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 stat sheet in terms of points. He he has his games where he'll have eighteen or twenty or whatever, but people don't give him credit for how good of a passer he is, for how good of a communicator he is, for how physical he is, uh, both on the offensive end and the defensive end. He is frustrating at times because he doesn't always have the best hands and he he drops too many passes there in the post. Uh, again, not saying he's the perfect player, but he is he's a good college basketball player, a really solid college basketball player who's working back from a major injury. He's only going to continue to get better as the season moves along as well. And, and we know Jonas is going to play because of how he can protect the rim. So it's Urosh who better get going because Tobey Awaka is coming after this past Sunday. I, I, I agree with 99% of what you just said. I think he also meant Jonas Adu a little bit. And the reason is, if every time you hear Rick talk about Jonas Adu, he always kind of talks about the, yeah, but. It's always kind of a yeah, but it's like, yeah, I mean, he's he he. We love this kid. We love his upside. He's working, but um, but he's not what he needs to be yet. And there's a couple things getting in his way. He even mentioned it uh, Sunday. He said, you know, if we can ever get if 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 he will just go out there and be the player we know he can be. I don't know. I don't have the exact quote with me, but he basically he made another veiled reference to Adu being like, listen, man, you got to get over the hump. And I think that to to whom much is given, much is expected. And he has so much physical ability. Uh, he has so much sort of touch for and mobility, dexterity, uh, and intelligence for for a kid that size. There's things he can do that a lot of them can't do. But uh, he's got to go do it. And I think Rick also. I think he primarily meant Plavsic, but I also think he meant a little bit of Adu there because there's just stuff that he wants him to go do that he knows he's capable of doing that he hasn't done Rebounded. quite yet. And it's a lot of it is rebounding because I'll tell you right now, this Awaka is the first kid in two or three years. He's the first guy since Josiah Jordan James has been at Tennessee that has made me say he might be able to rebound as well as jo- Josiah Jordan James does. Josiah Jordan James is pound for pound an excellent rebounder. I know the stats say he's pretty good. I'm telling you, for the position he plays to get the number he gets as consistently as he gets them, and when you just watch just the eyeball test. Watch him go rebound. He is an excellent rebounder. Very smart, very tough, really good hands, knows what he's doing out there. Uh, but but Awaka just moves people and gets the ball. I mean, when, when the ball hits his hands, like nine times out of 10 or 19 times out of 20, that ball is his. Now, we'll see, like, when they play Kentucky, Toshibwe, he might have something to say about that, right? O- Big Oscar is like a is like a stronger, little bit bigger version of Tobe. Um, but when you think about Garrett Maidenwald and what he can do with these guys, like Grant Williams did not look as a freshman like Tobe Awaka looks like as a freshman. Tobe Awaka had never really lifted weights till he got to Tennessee, which is amazing looking at the kid. 
think about what three or four years of working with Garrett Maidenwald are going to do for that young man. What he's going to look like by the time he's done. I mean, we, he could even put Admiral Schofield to shame with what he looks like by the time he. That is an imposing dude, right? I also think about Tyreek Key in a way. Like if he came, if he had come to Tennessee as a freshman. You, you think about what his body looks like now, what it could look like with four years at Tennessee. Um, what I'm trying to say is, Awaka, as hard as he works, he'll probably get better on the shooting touch too. I bet his range, everybody who works as hard as he works, eventually gets a little bit better as a shooter. And I think he's not going to step outside and hit 30 footers or anything. But I think that I just, if, if Jonas Adu and Tobe Awaka were stocks, I would heavily throw money at them. Because I think those two guys, I don't know if they're going to be like all Americans or anything, but those are going to be really, really, really good college post players. Really good, I think. They are, and I, I agree with you on Jonas in terms of the, there was probably a, a smidge of reference to Jonas when Rick made those comments. Uh, but again, I, I do think I go back to the overall thought on the post players on this current roster and as a group they're they're not necessarily the the best group of post players in the country i think i'm stating the obvious Fair. when i say that but at times they can really complement one another really well like uh, uh, olivier is olivier uh tobe and and jonas are, are all very athletic but uh, olivier is in my opinion the the more athletic of the group uh, and, and can kind of do more of everything. Yes. Whereas Jonas and Tobe, they have their specialties. Like Jonas for as tall as he is, he should have more rebounds than, than he does on a a consistent basis. And and I do think that that is what gets on the nerves of this coaching staff. the, The most with Jonas is, is that he's so big. Yet he doesn't rebound consistently for for how big that he is. Not and, quite as stout as Tobey. He's not as stout as Tobey though. Yes, ab- absolutely, and and that is a thing. But also he 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 does have an advantage over Tobey in terms of length. I mean, right. and, and that should make up for that. Uh, but again, I do think Jonas and, and Tobey can complement uh, one another uh, as as well because Jonas can be the rim protector. And on nights where they, they really, really need a rim protector, Jonas can be that guy. Uh, on a night where they need somebody that can go out there and just go get rebounds, Tobe can potentially be that guy. Uh, again, I, I'd like to see Tobe do it uh, more consistently uh, before I'm, I'm, I'm completely in on, on saying that, yeah, he's going to be a big part of this team. I, I think he's going to, to be a part of this team, but I don't know how big yet. I'm, I'm going to need to see it. In, in more than, than just one game. Because even Maryland, Maryland was small. They, they were small. They, they had some they, – they didn't have any guys with any beef. So, so Yeah, Tobe they, they, had, have, they had length. They didn't have a lot of girth. Correct. And, and Tobey took full advantage of that. So that, that's kind of what I mean by those guys can, can complement one another because maybe Jonas doesn't thrive as well in that game because they have more length than they do girth, whereas Tobey can come in – uh, and take advantage of it. And, and I know I kind of rained on Uroch's parade earlier, but Uroch does bring some things to the table. I'll tell you the one thing he does at a at a very high level, and that's he facilitates. He is a very, very good passer. Yeah. He, he really is. He's, uh, the floor, he's, yeah. he's great at yeah, spotting the, the cutting 
player and, and getting them the ball. And you, you see that very often. So I, I do think it is a negative that this team doesn't have a go-to post player, uh, a, a guy that can absolutely grab the bull by the horns and, and take charge. I think that Olivier could potentially be that uh, as he continues to knock off the rust and, and get back into the flow of things. I would not be surprised if we looked up in February and Olivier was was playing at a consistently high level, game in, game out. In my opinion, he's the only one of the four that could do that this season. Tobe and Jonas could get there one day, but they're not going to be that this this year. So although I do think it's a negative that they don't have that one go-to guy in the post, they can complement each other really well. It's just the frustrating aspect of, okay, yes, we have these different pieces that we can utilize, but can we rely on them to show up tonight? And that as a coach going into a game and, and not knowing – whether you're going to get the production you need from this guy or that guy is is very frustrating. Yeah, there, there's a saying that they use on the other side of the pond, uh, which is uh, horses for courses, right? Different different courses require different horses. I think that that is what Tennessee's front court sort of will be this season, kind of a horses for courses kind of deal. There'll be some times where you need you know A and you're going to get A, so A is going to play. There's times where you're going to need B, so B is going to play. There's times you're going to need C, so C is going to play more. I will say, though, that, that when you talk about uh, Jonas Adu not having sort of the mass that that um, that Awaka has and Awaka not having the length that Adu has, you know who has both? Uros Plofsic. He is a guy who has incredible length and a guy who is really, really strong and really, really big, too. And I think, and I insist, I, I, I've watched this guy enough over four years – he is a better athlete than people think he is. He can run better than people think. Now, he's never going to be like in terms of lateral quickness, quick because he's 7'1", 265 pounds. But he gets up and down the floor pretty well, and he recovers pretty well. The frustrating part is what Ben mentioned earlier. He will not go block shots, and unless he's wide open, he will not just go yam it in somebody's face. And if he would just take some of those times where he goes off the glass – Play through the contact. Man, people, no one out there except for maybe Oscar Sheebway is stronger than you, and that's probably closer than you think. He is really, really strong. If he would just go throw the ball in someone's face, like think about like, I mean, a completely different kind of player, but someone like John Morant just throws the, the ball down in people's faces because he has the stones to go do it, right? You can't worry about your shot getting blocked. Listen, sometimes it's going to get blocked. But if you go play through that contact and you go yam it in somebody's face, you're either going to get free throws most of the time or you're going to get an opportunity for an and one. Or, and if you can throw it down somebody's face while getting fouled, you've given your team a shot of adrenaline that is worth seven points or six points if you can just go do that. And he won't just go do that. And for the life of me, I don't understand why. Because it's not like if you're Jonas Adu and you're all arms and legs, I can see why you might think, okay, yeah, this could either go really well or I could just get sort of pushed to the side like the like the inflatable guy, um, you know, the inflatable wave arm guy at the car dealerships. Like Fulky? Yeah, like Fulky. Um, but Plofsic has the length, he has the mass, and he has the athleticism to just go do it. And he won't go do it. And I don't understand why. In fact, I think that one of the next times I interview him, if, it's, if next time I can get him one-on-one, I'm just going to say, Urosh, why don't you just go dunk in someone's face? 
at least once a game, just go throw the ball in someone's face. Dude, if they block it, who cares? I, I just, I don't think they're going to block it very often because he could do that and he won't go do it. And we've seen guys like this, Ben, they just, they just won't go do it. And I, you know, what's that old uh, saying, you know, one who, one who won't no different from one who can't. I mean, if you can't do it, you can't do it. But if you won't do it, it's the same as you can't do it. No, you, you can. And and that's something that Tennessee has been working on with Urosh to to use the backboard more frequently. Uh, it, it's unfortunate that you have to have that conversation with a, a fifth-year college basketball player and, and somebody who's been at Tennessee for four years. And but, a smart kid. Uh, a smart kid. Yes, and, and he's a good guy as as, as well. I, I know he likes to to maybe talk a, a little too much at times, and and that's just the Serbian in him coming out. But he he really is a good guy. Uh, he's a, a gentle giant, which which is why you see him not go dunk the basketball, not be more aggressive defensively, and and block more shots. And and uh, I I don't know that at this point in his career that 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 is something that can can be learned or or be taught, but um, they're, they're trying to get him to do those things that, that you just mentioned and, and they need it. But, uh, overall, I, I feel good about where this team is. I really do. Uh, and that, that first segment, uh, wasn't meant to go off on a tangent uh, about fans being upset, uh, or, or frustrated. Uh, and, and I don't think the majority I've been, of fans, I think, I think it's fair to question why they are though. I think it's absolutely fair to question why they some of them just seem determined to be fatalistic about this. Right. Yes, and and you and I have talked about it, and and people who have followed my work have have heard me discuss it plenty of times. I mean, they just they because of the whole Rick Barnes and in the NCAA tournament thing, they they're convinced that they're not going to to win in March, so they they can't enjoy the regular season. That that's my opinion, and the the whole Rick and March conversation is one that has been had. Uh, many times, and he, he probably should have won more in March to this point in his career. But I don't think that that should deter people from enjoying the the ride to the tournament. Uh, just the, assuming that they are going to to bow out early in the tournament and, and not allowing you to enjoy beating a top fifteen team in the Barclays Center with with key players out and put together. Uh, another elite defensive performance and and this defense statistically is a historic defense currently only 10 games into the season we'll we'll see where they finish but they're on track to have a historic defensive season and i i think part of it is that defense is not sexy people do not appreciate defense uh like like they did back in the day and that that is the path at least right now, to this Tennessee basketball team being successful this season is continuing to play elite defense. And that's not sexy. And that that's okay because they're still winning basketball games. And, and at the end of the day, uh, that is all that matters. And, and look, if, if you're somebody who it's, it's championship or bust for you, I, I respect that. Uh, a championship should always be the, the ultimate goal. But I, I don't necessarily – subscribe to the championship or bust mentality. I, I don't. And, and I don't think that's me being Mr. Participation Trophy. 
or, or me being soft. It's just they, they played 30 games. They're, they're, they're going to play in the SEC tournament. They're, they're going to play games in the NCAA tournament. I, I'm not going to say that the, the entire season was a failure because they, they didn't win X amount of games uh, in March. You, you, you're going to tell me that because they didn't make it out of the first weekend last year that, that the SEC tournament championship, the, the first one in, what was it, 45 years, you're going to tell me that that did not matter? The, the win over Kentucky at home did not matter. Uh, the, the win over Arizona at home did not matter. And yes, technically they didn't think, from a yeah, think of how much joy standpoint. Think of how much joy that team correct. has that, given that's, people. Correct. That's, that's the point that I'm making, is that you can still in, enjoy the, the ebbs and flows of the season while understanding that this team will ultimately be judged by what they do in March. Uh, and and they're 9-1, the number six team in the country, and, and a top five team if Alabama didn't beat a, a second number one team on Saturday when they, they beat Houston. But it it's like the, the – it's just an, it, the negativity is, is automatic with this basketball program for, for some, uh, and, and more than, than there should be. I, I do think the majority of Tennessee fans – I uh, really do appreciate Coach Barnes and and what he's done with the basketball program, but th- there there is a a loud minority that that is very annoying. You 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 put out a tweet that uh, if if Alabama doesn't beat Houston on Saturday, Tennessee would be a top five basketball team, and the first two responses are, well, if they would have lost to Colorado, they'd be in the top five, and and yes, you are absolutely correct. Well, they might be number one that. if they hadn't lost that game. Correct. That it. That is a, a fair and accurate point. My thing is, why do we have to instantly go to the negativity? Why? Why is that the 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 first thought? Maybe I'm too glass half full, guy. But it's just no. You're 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 Saturday you're, you're, or Sundays. Sunday's win should be viewed as a very, very good win, and I think too many people do not view it that way. I think uh, I'm more of a let's see how much is poured into the glass guy. Like, we don't know how much is in the glass yet. You know, like, imagine if – I'll end on this point. If you were a Broncos fan who had given up on the possibility of Elway winning a Super Bowl, you would have – how much – what would the end have meant to you? Would it have meant to you as much as it meant to the person who always believed it was possible and then stood there for the ride? Was there all, all those times coming short and then to get those back-to-backers there at the end to go off? I, I mean, imagine that feeling, right? Like if I had been a Cubs fan who never believed that a World Series was possible, I mean, I was only, what, I was 35, no, 34 or so when it happened when they won the title, um, 33, 34. And that was only like, what, three decades ago. There are people who are like 100 years old who had always kept believing that it was possible. And then when it happened, imagine how much genuine joy. Like those people didn't jump in for the bandwagon. They were there for all the crap before it, and they stayed by it, and then they got their reward because they always believed it was possible. And it just means something. So I don't – I mean, listen, I'm not – Ben jokes about it all the time. I'm not telling anybody how to feel. I'm telling you what I would do in your shoes is I would wait to see what happens. I would not pretend that I know exactly how it's going to end because we don't. We don't know how it's going to end. It, it, we, that, that's why we watch these games. That's why we love sports because we don't know what's going to happen. So I think that's a pretty decent place to leave unless you've got anything else, Ben. You got anything else? Nope, I'm, I'm good. Uh, Zakai Ziegler, fair to point out his contributions. It, it wasn't just the awesome uh, 
return home storyline for Tobey Awaka that that also existed for Zakai. He he was really really awesome. Yes, he was, and uh, and and hit some big shots that Tennessee really needed there down the stretch. So, uh, yep, I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. We'll definitely have more. Uh, we'll have at least one more basketball episode this week. We'll definitely have a football episode too. So hang around on the feed. We'll have more. But uh, until then, thanks for uh, thanks for being here, Ben. Thank you, Wesley. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.
Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.